Welcome back to System Ministry, the podcast where there are shenanigans afoot. This is Brent. I'm pantsless. Evil shenanigans. There we go. Fantastic. So tonight we're talking about <laughs> what we were going to talk about last time. What, Javon? I don't know. It's weird. Okay. You're weird. <laughs> I'm sitting on a metal stool. It, pantsless, right? We got that. Well, well, now, now let me ask you this: You're at least sitting on the part that's flat, not one of the posts, right? Jason, can you confirm or deny? I think we should just move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I like that idea. That's we should move on. So tonight we're going to be talking about what we were going to talk about last time, but had to push towards this time because Jason couldn't join us. So. Yes, that's my fault. Well. In part, but it was also kind of unavoidable. But, you know, it's a, it's a discussion that we wanted to make sure that you were able to join us for, because it's something that you have experience in, right? Yes. Right. Right. He does. Right. So we're talking about high availability. and Buttholes as a service. Buttholes as a service. Running but- an Amazon Lambda. Wow. Your very right. own butthole. Running a... Uh, Bass. What if Amazon had, like, a... Like a, a butthole service? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you <laughs> You know what a butthole service is, right? No, what are you talking about? We should talk about There's it offline. Okay, <laughs> we'll talk no, about no, it no. off the air? No, okay. no, no, absolutely not. We have to talk if about I... it right now on nope. air. Nope, yes. That's going to give away some valuable ideas that we could potentially sell, and that's not <laughs> something I'm into. We'll just put a trademark at the end of whatever you say, and it's fine. <laughs> no, that's not... Alright, number one, that's not how trademarks work at all. <laughs> number yeah. two... All you could trademark is butthole as a service as, like, a phrase. Well... Right, but more to the point, Jathan, you need to apply for the trademark. You can't just throw a trademark symbol after it and say it's trademark. But not just that. Yeah, just say trademark. Not just that. No, you can't. Say it's I'm trademark. not just trademark. any butthole as a service. I'm Jathan's butthole as a service, and that's different. You're your own butthole as a service? It's wait, premium. Wait, I think, I think I'm getting an idea what a butthole as a service is. All right, I think we should move on. <laughs> Let's move on. I, I, I want to know more about No, buttholes. no, we'll, we'll See, tell you when Hayden's you're older. He's not sure what I'm talking about yet, so he's thinking about the other kind of butthole still. What? No. Hayden's thinking about, like, the kind of butthole that you do stuff with. <laughs> what kind I'm of thinking stuff about, like, do you do with your butthole, Jaython? I'm talking about the kind of butthole that does stuff to you. Uh... Like, you need an asshole to show up to your corporate event? I'm that guy. What? Butthole as a service. <laughs> okay. Oh, no, that's not what I was thinking. Okay, that's significantly more safer work than that. Hayden obviously has his head in the gutter, though. But I mean, I to be fair, so did I. I thought, well, I mean, you know. I in thought... this case, it honestly seems like it's better than having your head in your asshole, because if you hired me, then I'd be eating you. <laughs> oh my gosh. How much have you had to, pr- to drink for pre-show? For pre-gaming? I don't ask you fucking questions. <laughs> <laughs> Do I? I... Not that kind. Uh, I'm not interrogative. Is that a word? You got me there. I... Interrogative? <laughs> yeah, is that a word? You're not, you're it, not inter- it is. Yes, it is a word. word. I'm very proud of you, son. It's a so, word in the English language, so it counts in Scrabble, bitches. Um, right. Or bananagrams. Unlike limo. Got, oh my gosh. Okay, guys. Are you are you ready to tell me what you're drinking? Oh, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. All right. I'm going to let you guys Rochambeau for it, all right? Three, okay. two, one, oh, go. Oh I don't know what that means. It's rock, paper, lost, scissors. So, you know. All right. Well, I don't care. I usually go first. Well, I know, but we're going to mix it but up. You, it's you a special episode. I, can't I wasn't explain. here last week, and this is how I get treated when I come back. Uh, calm down. We're, oh, yeah. We're, Jason, we're just trying to do something fun here. Can't you just have fun with us for once? I'm busy. Come on, man. <laughs> 
Hi, busy. I'm dead. So, okay, but we're gonna Hi, Ro- busy. we're gonna Rochambeau for it. Okay, I'm gonna count three, two, one, go. And what and do we on do? Go. You shout either rock, paper, or scissors. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Rock, paper. I can't tell if that was lag or if you actually won that. <laughs> no, I won. <laughs> okay. I said it way early, so it's yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. I don't care if he went goes first. I heard Jathan said paper like a good half second after you said rock, but I think that might be a lag thing. So, all right. No, I said it early. Oh, you did? Okay. Let's compare the damn raws. (laughs) Well, no, No, because it's too. No, Jathan. Then we would need to stop recording, listen to the raws, start recording again. That seems fine. Justify. We're doing it for the fans. No, that's this is why I get the fucking best host award every year. No, Jathan. In the podcasties, (laughs) I don't. You know what? It's not worth it. I'm just going to give it to you. What are you drinking, Jathan? All right. I really wanted to go first because I am so ashamed of what I'm drinking. <laughs> so you wanted us to, to talk after you to make them forget about... Well, I'm hoping to drink enough so I forget. Okay. So I'm going to okay. give this a little backstory. <laughs> okay. My girlfriend is moving. Oh, I know what this is. No, you oh, don't. Oh, boy. Oh, you do know what it is. Yeah, you do. Because I already had an experience. Yeah. Okay. Her mom is driving with her to the place where she is moving and i will be there now where is she moving to don't worry about it i'm intentionally being vague <laughs> is, is it gonna be this is gonna apartment? be on the internet Peyton. You, like, give him some privacy oh, it's okay it's fine he doesn't he, it's fine. so here's the thing about it is her mom apparently only drinks one kind of beer mm-hmm. and that kind of beer happens to be bush bush so i bought some yeah. bush in preparation for her mom to visit and you can't buy Bush in a six-pack. It's 30 or nothing. Because okay. they can't feasibly charge less than $4 for fucking beer. I feel like you get a keg of it, though. Well, I don't want to keep a keg around. I don't know where you do that, though. In any case, I'm yeah. drinking Bush because I'm a supportive, loving boyfriend. Therefore, that's, you are, that's why you you're are drinking a good, Bush? loving boyfriend. Absolutely. Well, I'm drinking <laughs> Bush so Peyton that there's not, experience. there's not too much, but there's enough. Oh, I know enough. There's not too much, but there's enough. Yeah. Why? What? I, it's not something that's going to expire within like the next two weeks, Jathan. You can. Yeah, but there's. She's yeah, not going to drink can, thirty you know, in two days. Like, you, you never know. You know. Okay. My point is, you you don't need to drink all thirty within like. Right. The next... But I would like my fridge back. <laughs> well, right. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fine. They came cold. Okay. Fine. Fine. Oh. Wait. Gosh. No. Nope. Fine. This fine. is a small sidebar. That's that was the sidebar. No, I'm drinking bush, but I'm also eating some baked beans, which happen to be Bush's baked beans. <laughs> bush. <laughs> so you're 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 drinking. Are what if you cooked the I'm, baked beans? I'm with literally the... covered in bush. Like <laughs> I am bush. fucking. I am way deep in the fucking weeds here. Phrasing. You are definitely in something. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Phrasing. Surrounded by bush. Phrasing. Bush. Okay, so. <laughs> People love this podcast because of me. I fucking I, love that. I go uh, to bed every night, and I'm laying there. I was... shout out to my number one fan, Amir. Buddy, you rock. Yeah, yeah, Amir switched sides. He's now on Payton's side instead of, I don't have any fans. Yeah. I don't think that's yeah, real, though. all your fans. I think he was just trying to make Payton feel good. Well, no. Amir doesn't seem like a people pleaser to me, you know? Oh, no, he is. <laughs> Trust okay. me when I tell you when we hung out last time. Uh huh. He seemed like he really just wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. I don't think you've ever hung out with him a day in your life. Uh, I'm not sure that you should be so sure. <laughs> that sound is. 
I don't know, man. If you can provide proof. Can you okay. provide proof? Okay. Yeah, give me a couple minutes. I'll get you a picture. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's gonna, it's gonna be like some bullshit. I know it. I know you at this point. Does anyone have Windows? I need Microsoft Paint real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Just Who's use got a VM Tux I can paint. borrow? Tux Paint. Tux Paint. So while, while Jathan <laughs> terribly doctors up a photo, Peyton, what are you drinking? Well, I have vodka and I have water. Okay. I'm down to absolute, water. Absolute to be. Absolute, uh, right. Well, that's usually what you drink. Yeah, I've still got my Buckeye vodka that I still have, have most of that I have to procure from the uh, upstairs uh, right. closet. I think I have some liquor somewhere, but it's special occasion liquor. You know, it's not it's not podcast liquor. Sorry, guys. So you're you guys, not drinking? I'm not drinking. I'm drinking water again. Wow, this is why you don't have any fans, you <laughs> Because I... Because uh, I'm... Uh, 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 God damn it. Uh, okay. Game crashing. Fine. Wow, I see how it is. Peyton, uh, Jathan, how's your uh, paint skills coming? Yeah, how are your paint skills? Well, Gimp keeps crashing. <laughs> what about so Krita? I'm going to have to figure something out here. Or but Krita. you know what? You guys do the podcast. I'll be back. <laughs> okay, well, well, Jathan tries to, to find something he can draw with. Peyton, why don't you give us your tip? This is not drawing. I oh, am... I need to talk about my tip, huh? Just yeah. trying to enhance a picture right, that so already just, exists. Just so you know, my tip is, is, is a little hefty this time. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of goes to a little bit of a needle, though, you know? So, all right. We're going to be talking about Raid. Now, first of all, there's a warning. Raid is not a backup of any sort whatsoever. I don't mm-hmm. care what type of Raid you're using. It's not a backup. Especially the Raid Zero. Proper... Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, we're going to talk about that. So, mm-hmm. first of all, I have a little bit of an anecdote about Raid Zero. When I was just a wee young PFY in 2003, I worked at a place that the guy said that Raid Zero is not a Raid. I said, it is a Raid. He's no, 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 it's not a raid, because it's a redundant array of independence. And I right, said, it not. still is a raid. It doesn't matter that it's not redundant, it's still a raid. Mm. Well, we back it's forth, still redundant. No, Shut up. it's not. Shut up. My turn, Jathan. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first time this has ever gone this way. Jathan, you're supposed so, to You're supposed to be drawing right now. Yeah. I am drawing. downloading a new version Shut up. of GIMP. Okay. Shut up and draw. To enhance this photo that already existed. <laughs> sure, right. Uh-huh. Okay. So anyway, so the next day he comes back, he's like, you know what? You're right. It counts as a raid version. I was like, all right, thank you very much. Whatever. So anyway, Why were you zero, going back to the same store two days in a row? I worked there. Oh, that's stupid. Yeah, right. He was an idiot. I digress. Anyway, raid zero is striping. So if you have two discs, it's going to take both those discs and make them one giant disc. Mm-hmm. Raid one is, of course, mirroring. That's going to take two discs and make them one-to-one copies. That's still not a backup. Right. None of these are backups. It's also you can not always lose one a drive to one. and have your data gone. Right, you can you lose a drive and still have your data on one, but you need to make sure that you repair the raid or you're done. Mm-hmm. Raid five, we won't get into some of the smaller raids like two, three. I don't think those really even they're not even really supported no. very much. Right, they're anywhere. not. They're not. Yeah. I don't think it, so I don't we'll think to... even MDA the M- MDA the end. No, I don't. Yeah, I don't believe so. So raid five is of course like the love of everyone's life, but mm-hmm. with disk sizes getting what they are you have a chance of having a disk fail while you're rebuilding your disk. So they recommend not using RAID 5 anymore. But RAID 5 requires three more physical drives and provides the redundancy of RAID 1 combined with the speed and size benefits of RAID 0. Mm-hmm. So basically, you take three disks, two are, please tell me if I'm doing this correctly, two are striped and one is mirrored, I believe, or one is a, like a parity disk. It's Wait, parody. what are you talking about? A RAID yeah. 5? Yeah. Yeah, it's, so, it's a parity disk. Right? Yeah, yeah so, so it's four stripes, one parity disk. Yeah. Right, right, but, right, right. right. Right, yeah. Yeah. Correct. So if you lose a drive, you can put another one in and repair it. As long as it's not the parity disc. Or discs. Right. I think you can lose it can understand the loss of one member disc. Right. 
Right. So if you lose a parity disc, you're you gotta you're bumped. Like replace that, but Yeah. Anyway. But anyway, I do also this. unlike raid one, if you lose a disc, the whole thing won't come screeching to a slow as shit halt. Right, right, correct. Yeah. Now raid six is four or more physical discs and provides mm-hmm. the benefit of raid five, but you can lose up to two drives before you have problems. But take a performance hit. You do take a yeah. minute performance hit. It's On what are we much. talking about now? Raid I six. believe it's raid six. So it depends. What do you mean it depends? What? You're talking over raid five a performance hit. Right. Yeah. Assuming all else equal, drive sizes, drive drive rates. speeds. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll give it to you. Mm-hmm. But it depends how you're defining performance. I would say right. Read is pretty equal amongst equal, all of them. Yeah. But also, you you have to consider something like a rebuild time. Rebuild. Oh, that's true. Which does qualify right. as performance, in my opinion. I. You don't think so? No, I. It's okay I, if I you kinda, don't. I kind of see that as, as if, excuse you. I see that as its own category, kind of a thing. Okay. You know. But okay, right. sorry, sorry, Ben, right. keep going. Yeah, so, here we go. So, okay, all right. So Raid 6, of course, is more secure than Raid 5. You can lose two drives instead of just one. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, a little bit more costly. We have improved that with Raid 10 or Raid 1 plus 0. Right. Those are two different things, not the same thing. Right. Raid 1 plus 0 is a nested raid. It combines two of the standard levels of raids, so Raid 1 and Raid 0. I don't really want to get too much into that because it's not really all that used. In my opinion, it stripes Ray- across the two arrays. Right, right? It stripes across yeah. the two. Yeah. It stripes across the two mirrors. That's, that's a, still that's still a little a iffy mirror. for me. To, yeah, right, exactly. I personally put raid ten mm-hmm. everywhere in my in my personal stuff that yeah. I I have control over. Raid ten I love because you have four discs, you get two storage discs and two parity discs, so mm-hmm. you can lose. I believe you can lose one of each. Yep, at the same time. And that's like the minimum. I mean, that's the minimum. Yep. You're going to go as, as far as you want, and you can lose, after a while, you can lose multiple numbers of discs. Now, there's a, there there's a formula. A, there's to, a formula for yeah. it. It's NX is multiple process of reading, otherwise 1X. Mm-hmm. Basically, so RAID 10 is nice in that, you know, you have your, let's say you have four two terabyte hard drives. Well, you would have four terabytes of readable, writable space, and then two terabytes of parity, you know, redundancy, what have you. Mm-hmm. You can lose both drives in both sides and still recover your system Mm -hmm. so realistically you know i would recommend raid 10 do you guys what do you guys think about that raid 10 still a little bit slower than raid 5 in terms of write speed you can't beat raid 5 with write i mean that's it's just the fastest write right absolutely but again that single parity (laughs) disc does make me nervous (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes absolutely it really does. It really yeah. does. So it's, it's, it's like everything. It's know. a trade-off, right? You know, you need to decide if you want more storage and write performance or if you want more safety. You know, it's, it's a lot of different variables. I mean, yeah. it all depends on the application. But yeah, RAID 10 is... So the other thing is, if you're doing hardware RAID, mm-hmm. you've got to make sure you find a disk that does RAID 10. Not a lot of them do. Right. Yeah. MDADM can. Right. But that's AD- MDADM, you know, so it's... it's Sure. Pretty flexible sure. on that. So that's actually something else I wanted to talk about sure. was no, there's software RAID, mm-hmm. which is MDADM or LVM or ZFS, ButterFS, or then you have hardware RAID. Obviously, that's if you have a hardware RAID PCIe controller. And then there's fake RAID, which mm-hmm. is like an onboard BIOS RAID. It's advertised as a hardware RAID, but it's not really. Also, LVM isn't really RAID. LVM mirroring. Uh, it's like a, it's a software ish raid i'd say it's a level of raid abstracted one level up from mdadm yeah you know like it's yeah. it's not really raid but it functions close enough to it you know what i mean right exactly 
But the nice thing about MDADM raids, for instance, like true software raids, is in a, a raid one, for instance, you can lose that disc and you can still have the other disc be completely mountable offline. You don't need the raid up to access the data on that file system, on that disc, or on that array, I should say, on that degraded array. To my knowledge, you can't do that with LVM. You would need to bring the LVM pool up first, the PV group, and then the VG. You right. would need to bring those up first before you can access that data. So it's right. it's like a virtual raid, I guess we can call it, right? Right. I think I'm comfortable with that terminology, virtual raid versus Pre- software yeah, raid. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for sheer performance, RAID 0 is going to be your best bet because you've got two disks just, you know. Right. But going at, or, or more disks. I'm sorry. I, th- I tend to think very simply. When that's, I it's RAID. the minimum, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a minimum of two disks. Actually, I believe it can be as many as you want, right? I mean, there's a limit, but it's, depending on your hardware, nowadays it's going to be like 256 disks. So... Right. So realistically, you know, in here on the Arch Wiki, it says composed of two physical disks, mm-hmm. which I think it can be, I'm fairly confident that it can be more it, than know, two. It can be yeah. much more than that. Yeah. Uh, I think they're being very simple in that. So anyway, there's a difference between RAID 10, there's far and near. Near is going to be limited in how much you can grow with MDADM. Yep. And far is going to let you, you know, go pretty, pretty far with that. <laughs> right. Uh, I would also like to point out that ZFS is is also not a true RAID, Jaython. Yeah. Why is that? Because you can't treat a single disk as a disk on a hardware level. What do you mean? Yes, you can. Is this going to be like the thing where you told me that you can't dynamically what resize do you mean a RAID in MDADM? Let's start with that. What do you mean? <laughs> okay, so you've used MDADM, correct? Plenty. Okay. You How many boot- times have you used it? I don't think it 18. matters. 18. 18 and a half, I'm maybe. 18 and a half? How do you yeah. half use it? It's a mirror, well, how do you have with one disc. How it's do you have 2.5 kids? No, 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 no. It's not. <laughs> That's how many times you've used it, not how many discs you've used it Did with. you really use it if you didn't actually mirror anything? Oh, now we're getting zen. No, you, mean, would, you would have to, inherently, you would be. It seems be, like you're overthinking. I mean, no, yeah. I, feel like, I feel like you're just spouting shit again. With All right, no, Dad. Oh, my God. He's always just spouting okay, shit, though. My point I mean, is, Jathan. My point is, mm-hmm. as long as you have a RAID model, a RAID type, that yeah. supports it inherently, as you would with a hardware RAID, you can still access a single disk. You don't need to assemble the array, or the pool, I guess, in ZFS terms. Right? Yeah. Okay. So I can do that right from a live CD. I don't even need to do any MDADM commands. I mean, I probably will end up doing it, because chances are, if it's degraded and I'm in a live CD, it's probably because I'm rebuilding that array. But I don't need to to access the data. So that's a key feature of actual RAID that a lot of things that call themselves RAIDs can't do. That being said, what was the thing you said MDADM can't do the other day? And I linked to the exact point in the documentation where they... You're talking about JTON? Yeah. I think it was in the main channel. What are you talking about? We were talking about MDADM. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, mockingly, I said, you know, oh, I thought ZFS was the way of the future because it couldn't do something. And yeah, you're like, okay. yeah, I, of course I can't do that. It doesn't make any sense. And then I, I said, MDADM can do it. And then you said, no, nah. I think nah, it was no, nah. I think it was no apostrophe. And that was it. And then I said, nah. yes, apostrophe. And then I linked to the exact point in the MDADM documentation where it tells you how to do that. All right. Well, that just makes you a pretentious. Dude right. Bag. I remember what it was. No, I remember what it was. It was converting raid types. Going from a RAID 1 to a RAID 5 online. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Anyways, so MDADM can do that, which is really cool. Sorry, Peyton, that kind of took a... <laughs> that's that's kind of okay. derailed a little. 
So a lot of good information, dark, dark but not a big deal. Not a big deal. Bit of a derailment. Uh, I'm upset. Did you have any? Any? Well, we'll get to why you're upset in a second. Did you have anything else to share with us? No, I don't have anything else to share. This has been Payton with the tip. Okay, great. Jathan, why are you upset? It just seems like you're ganging why, up on why me. I'm not ganging upset? up on you. Um, if anything, I'm criticizing ZFS. All right. ZFS sucks. I think it's, it's the worst. overrated, but okay. that's not you. That's you didn't. Right. Did you write ZFS, Jathan? Yeah, he did. Like, yeah, he totally wrote it. No, he didn't yeah. write it. No, it's a bunch I mean, of BSD nerds that wrote it. He wrote it. He didn't write it. Calm down. Anyway, Jathan, are you hype? Can nah. you get hype? You got some woo for us? I'm busy. What are you busy Can doing? You fucking woo it up, dude. All right, just everybody calm down. Right? <laughs> Seems like you're being a fucking bitch right now, and no, I don't have time for it. I'm not. Right? Why I'm you... busy. What Let's are you calm been... down. Are fucking... you still are you still drawing that picture? I'm almost done. Okay. <laughs> I love how I knew what it was. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're gonna move into the topic. I'll try and carry. I'm it. not good at this thing. What? Dr- I don't. I'm Gip? just trying to make it the uh, colors pop. <laughs> I'm trying to enhance it a little. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to try and carry the conversation for a little bit about high availability. All right, I'm getting somewhere. I found a tutorial on the internet. <laughs> he's, he's over there watching like YouTube videos and stuff while we're recording. All right, here we go. How do I save this? Right. You have to export it. Okay, what's XCF? Is that a file format I want? No. That is the Export. Yeah, you want to export, not save. Oh, geez, PNG. All right. PNG is fine. So anyways, so with high availability... Now we're going to start off with, do you guys want to talk about what it is and what it isn't first, or why you would need it yes. and why you wouldn't? Yeah, didn't we already do this with our fucking centralized and decentralized and we, federated and We unfederated? did, but I feel like this is a little bit more uh-huh. linear. It's a little bit Another. more easily to to okay. define, right? Uh-huh. So okay. where should I put this picture? Just email it to us. Email to info at. Yeah, email. Okay. It's 2019. Email's still a thing. We're all right. So. Email is still a thing, yes. All right, check your phone in a second. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. Fair enough. Oh, did you did you send it to us on Signal? Oh, yeah. Jason, why oh, didn't you just email yeah. it to us? Because I wanted you to make sure you've seen it right now. <laughs> I usually don't even check my phone during the podcast, but I'm checking I know, it. But this I'm going to see sure your shit. No, if I'm off, checking boy, it. So we don't get any bings in the yeah, middle of a podcast. It is, it is turned off. Let's be professional. But, Jason, if I'm checking my phone, shit. <laughs> I, would get the, I would get the email. Oh, gosh. All right. Here we go. Is that? <laughs> I'm guessing that's you on the right, then. Yeah, it looks like me. <laughs> I'll put that in the show notes. Well, oh, we that's... have to ask him first. Also, I oh, don't know true. if any of those images are copyrighted in any way. Eh, it doesn't matter. It's a. It's I mean, I took it, so it's unique... probably not. <laughs> it's technically a unique creation. All right. <laughs> <sighs> that looks like us, right? I've never seen a mayor before, but that does look like you. <laughs> All right, so if we get a mayor's approval, we'll put that in the show notes for this episode. It is gold. <laughs> Why did it take you that long to do that? I couldn't figure out how to <laughs> enhance the colors right. <laughs> what colors did you need to enhance? All right, whatever. We're gonna. We're gonna I had move to in. make the bush look like a Doritos bag. <laughs> I like that blue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. One time I climbed a mountain. They, uh-huh. And I got to the top and I was really hungry and all I had was some Doritos, but when I pulled it out, the bag was just so glorious. It was fucking great. <laughs> okay. Alright. Can we talk about high availability now? Is that something we could do? 
I think we already are. Oh, okay. Can we? <laughs> no, we're not. We're talking about you climbing a so, mountain and in, eating In my burritos. opinion, high yes. availability means that you have the capacity for a server, if it's starting to run low on resources, for it to shunt VMs big or services over to another server word. that's similar in size and space and specs. All right. We I'm actually, gonna... I've actually watched, so this is my uh, awareness of HA, is that mm-hmm. I've watched servers vMotion themselves from server to server or be vMotioned, what have you, you know, mid-cycle. Like they've, you know, been able to, to switch over to another server to generate more resources or, you know, actually, like a stick up on something. I just made up my mind. We're going to talk about when and why you would need HI and when you don't, because that's going to lead directly Do into that. what you said. Okay, okay but let's... Yes. Yes. I would like to dispute the definition. Well, we can get to that when we get to it, okay? <sighs> I never get to dispute things. Well, no, we can. I'm just, I want to talk about why. Jason the lone disputer. I'll talk about why you would want it and need it first rather than what it is. We'll get to okay. what it is after that. I know it seems a little backwards, but bear with me, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. So, if you need something absolutely available, and we'll talk about the specifics when we talk about the definition, but if you need something absolutely available, that is what high availability aims to address, right? We can, it's literally in the name, highly right. available. Like if you, if it's not available, you're losing money. Right, exactly. And a lot of money. Which brings me to my next point. It's exceedingly expensive. And with every smallest degree of greater availability you add to it, or greater resistance to fail, you exponentially increase the price. We're talking a very large amount of money here millions to billions you would need to own multiple data centers to have this really effective but we'll go into more of that in a couple seconds here so obviously if you need it you can afford it and if you can't afford it you don't need it and i think that's a good rule of thumb would, would you guys agree with me on that yes yes absolutely jayfon maybe maybe okay i mean i mm-hmm. all right I can think of some high availability setups that exist perhaps in my environment that are not that expensive. So I think you're talking Well you're talking about something that's not well, always it's the all, case. It's a spectrum. You could have isn't two it? fucking Raspberry Pis set up as a failover pair for certain services and that's high, highly available. Okay. That doesn't mean it's expensive. Well, and we can talk about where the point of failures would be for those, right? So it's all a sliding scale. Probably Yeah. We can all agree it's a spectrum, right? Yes, okay. you will either yes. be less available yes. or more available. But you're not... You'll never be totally available. Right. You probably won't ever be not entirely at all available. Exactly. There's yeah. some availability spectrum. I mean, unless you turn everything off, then you'd be 100% mm, unavailable. Probably. Right. <laughs> right. So that's pretty easy to do. But yeah, it is literally impossible due to how physics work that and, and how probabilities work that you will ever be 100% available. It's literally impossible. Get it out of your mind. It's not not doable, even on a theoretical level, especially on a theoretical level. So that being said, sum it up. You don't need HI or HA high availability if you're just running like a simple website. If you're not making millions and billions of dollars in gross profit. Theoretically, a CDN would cover you in that regard for a website. Yeah, yeah. You don't need in-house high availability for that. Right, right, exactly. I mean, you still have to have your proxy up. Well, right, but you've got other options there like Cloudflare and stuff, so... Right, but Cloudflare basically is something you proxy to... Except when they they have actually shut the bed. Well, they cache. They cache. They have a caching option, Mm -hmm. and then they also have their own CDN. Okay. So, you know, like, you could do it that way. But 
we need a simple, succinct way of identifying when you need HI, when you don't. Rule of thumb. H-A. I would say if you can't, high availability. Yeah. If you can't afford it, you don't need it because you're not making the money. You're not dealing with the amount of money where you would be crippled by the small amount of downtime regular maintenance tasks cause. Right? Can we? Right. Okay. Payton, does that sound good? Yes. Okay. Yes, great. absolutely. It sounds fantastic. Wonderful. Okay. Obviously, you need, you know, IBM Z processor, Z mainframes to, uh, you know, host a simple uh, static website. A, a WordPress yeah, website? A, a WordPress static <laughs> a blog. website. Absolutely. A blog. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. You need it. You have to have it. If you don't, you're fucking nothing in this industry, okay? Yeah. That's it. <laughs> no, no, don't encourage. I know you're being sarcastic, but don't say that because then people are going to just, like, just Try like zone out and then zone in right that, at that moment. I have a bridge in Arizona for you. <laughs> okay, there we go. Right. So now, and this is, I think, going to be a point of contention between the three of us: is what is and is not high availability. Jathan, do you want to start okay. this, or do you want to argue with us once we've made our points? I'd rather argue. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thank you for your honesty. So I'm going to start off saying there are some things HA is and is not. One of them is round robin by itself is no form of high availability at all. Wait, what isn't? Round robin DNS. Oh, God, no. Right. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started. It's also not load balancing, for fuck's not sake. Not load balancing at all, right. It's mm-hmm. just a fucking fallacy. At best, at very best, it's a distribution. It's a way of distributing traffic. And... You can it's it, a let, shitty if you way. have it's a it's a terrible it's shitty fucking way. 2019. Well, well, here's the why it's totally unpredictable, and to yeah. go into the details of how DNS works with multiple, well, and it's con- not configurable. Well, that too, right? Well, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of, of negative things. Yeah, there's a lot of negative yeah, things okay. about it. But the reason why is let's say you have two records for the same name, right? One dot two to three to four, and one dot two dot three to five. You have no predictability way of making sure that traffic gets distributed to those between those two you would think it'd be 50 percent. it is not because many people are going to end up using the same resolver which uses the same cache isps use their own caching resolvers and once it resolves it's just going to serve that record until that cache expires in which case you at that one moment that is when you have a 50 percent chance of it picking one or the other server but it's not every time a new client connects and it's certainly not on a regular well, basis. Yeah. You also do, you know, like weird types of ARP caching and all kinds of other shit. Well, that's that's aside from round robin DNS. We're going to get to that in a little bit because that's closer to act- what you need for actual load balance or actual high availability. Right. Well, so it can round be robin if it's properly configured. Right. Well, right, exactly. So round robin DNS just to get out of the way is no form of high availability, no form of load balancing whatsoever. Load balancing itself, which can be done via multiple methods, multiple software can assist you with it yeah it is so, balancing based uh, on the damn. amount well i'm, I'm gonna get through this I'm and mad. then you can argue well write it I'm down i'm not trying to argue i'm trying to be mad okay <laughs> okay why are you trying right. to be mad there jaython because there are some storage clustered storage fucking vendors mm-hmm. where you have you know x number of nodes in a cluster of storage and you can connect to any one sure and they have an internal basically dns round robin setup and they call it load balancing yeah, that's and that's it's fucking not. infuriating. So actual I'm mad. load balancing. You guys pissed me off. We should I, end this. <laughs> no, come on. Why are you pissed off? We need to be. Come you, on, man. You're we to need you here for this, Jathan. Where's your woo, buddy? Come Can on. We get a I woo? already woo. gave it away. What? You didn't. You didn't give it away. Come oh, on. Jathan, you need to find the spark of Where's woo your in your woo? heart. 
I need like a can of woo. A can of woo? Yeah. Stone cold can of woo? So another bush then. No. Bush. Okay. Anyways, so <laughs> load balancing, again, is not round robin, but load balancing is looking at the amount of traffic coming in and going out and finding the server that is least used or last used, however, what scheme you want to use for that. Well, there's a lot of ways to do it. Right. There's a couple different methodologies, but the point is you're applying, you're reading metrics and making decisions based upon those metrics to to decide where to put traffic. You're not relying on the client to make any sort of decision about that at all or an external DNS resolver or something like that. Agreed. Sometimes it's done by system load. So it would, you know, like Jathan said, there's a lot of different ways of doing it. Yeah, it depends entirely on the service you're running. You can do exactly. it on load. Exactly. You can do it on entirely. least number of connections. Yeah. You can do it on least latency. Mm-hmm. Wherever your application would be most sensitive to, that's the metric you would want to base you know, your balance on. You know, your static on. WordPress. What? <laughs> can we? Static WordPress? Just so we're clear, my website is behind IPVS. Okay, great. Just kidding. Do you want a cookie? Well, no, no but, but we are going to have him talk about IPVS slash oh, LDS right. a little bit later. Excellent. Excellent. So we can say load balancing is considered a component of high availability because that will depend on the availability quality. But, but it's not. Are... Yes. Okay, keep going. Yeah, but it's not high availability in and of itself. Right, because you can also have the idea of failover. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Where you have server A that serves all traffic, but if server A goes down, then server B starts serving it instead. Immediately. So there's no load balancing in process. Right. Every request goes to the primary unless the primary fails. In which case you're boned. Right. But yeah, that's... you can also do a combination of the two in a sense, like... Right. What I was really thinking of earlier is like VM clustering. Mm-hmm. You can make like a, you know three VM servers that act as one sort of HA cluster, mm-hmm. and if you have A, B, and C, and A fails, those VMs get migrated immediately to B and C, and because they share, you know, common networking and routing and all that shit, right. Sans, are still yeah. available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Right, and that is it. But it's not, well, yeah. it's not explicitly load balancing, but it is distributing your services across. Right, but towards the greater goal of having it available in high quality, not towards just the quality aspect of it. Right. Right. And that does bring me to my next point in defining what HA is, is it definitely entail to have a good, real, quote unquote, high availability. You need to have some form of heart beating and immediate cooled hot swap off. Yeah. Right. It should be absolutely transparent. Very hard. And that's part of why it's so expensive is because it's really hard to do that. And that's why it also involves really specialized hardware. Things like RAM that you can replace online discs you can replace online which is easy enough nowadays with braid but you know even there's cpus you can replace online it has multiple cpu cores multiple physical cpus and you just replace the chip if it goes bad and multiple NICs, things like these these are all things key to high availability and these machines cost a ton of money they do they really do very specialized hardware that's part of the reason why mainframes are so expensive is because they implement these things They implement this duplicate, multiple failover points of hardware. So do keep that in mind. Like, if you think you've got high availability, you probably don't. Well, there's another piece of high availability we're not really talking about also. What's that? Locational availability. Yeah, exactly. And that's... So, you know, you might be thinking right now as we're talking about, like, two servers that happen to be in the same fucking rack... Mm-hmm. But both serve the same function or can. What if? But yeah. also, what if your whole fucking data center catches on fire? What well, happens? Well, this is why I, I say high availability. Don't go in there, even if it's on fire. Ex- exponentially, 
well, right. The but also you would have a separate the... data center that's also high availability. Well, okay, so now we're getting into the the crux of the problem of high availability mm-hmm. itself, and why it's really kind of an unattainable dream. It's a spectrum, oh, and you just need totally to shoot is. as high as you can. Because so let's say you have one server. You're like, okay, what what happens if that one server goes down? I'll get two servers. Okay, how are you going to switch between them? HA proxy. Mm-hmm. Or whatever, some other balancing front end. What happens if that HA proxy server goes down? Okay, I'll have two HA proxy servers. Okay, so then expand yeah, that. Right. Now you've got a rack full of servers just for one application. But what happens if, I don't know, the bolts on that rack go that just break? Happen. Well, whatever, dude. Like, bad maintenance. If there's a fire, whatever. It, some sort of physical destruction happens to that rack. I'll have multiple racks in that data center. Okay, what if that data center is bombed or has a severe fire that the extinguishing systems can't handle? Okay, I'll have multiple data centers. Okay, what about your customers in other countries? Assuming your both of your data centers are in one country, if a major backbone route between that uh, an intercontinental route drops, they can't access your data anymore. So okay, now you need to do any CAS DNS with multiple data centers in multiple countries. Do you know how expensive that is? Outrageously expensive. Outrageously expensive. And that's not even considering... Astronomically expensive. Astronomically. And that's not even considering the specialized hardware we were talking about. Well, the dedicated routes. Right. You know. Right. right. I mean... The the allocations. Yeah, exactly. It's very, very expensive to do half decently, let alone well. And you really need to keep a good idea of scope. Like, what risk is acceptable to you? And it's a hard question, because, like, no risk. Like, no loss is acceptable. I don't want... But that's not realistic. You need right. to think about it in realistic terms. What... Right. In my business, with our size, what are we prepared to... Ha- what is realistic for us and in, in our budget? What is realistic for that? And you might be disappointed with the answer to that, but there's well, nothing you can do I, about that. I think, that. you know, realistically... You yeah, what you have to look at is... What can you afford? You know, yeah. If you can afford two servers Six here, dollars. And two servers, <laughs> shut up, and two Six servers dollars. there. Yeah, you need to put up those two servers there and two servers here, and then you also need to look at the costs of any sort of maintenance that's mm-hmm. needed on those, any sort of support licenses that are needed. Like if we have a hardware issue, we literally have HP or IBM calling us and saying, "Can we bring a part to fix this?" And they're there in four hours. Usually. Right, and you that know? is. And that costs serious money. That is a you know, primo service, yeah. That is a Very primo, expensive. primo service. Like, we have dedicated guys who come out to see us. Because, number one, they have to be already vetted and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, we don't just have any geek on the street. Like, Jathan can't come by my data center <laughs> and swap out a hard drive for Hell, me. Hell, you probably can't, right? You probably can't even change your own hardware. I can't. I you can, can change hardware okay. if I want to. Some, yes. some support there licenses, some hard- yeah, There are don't some things I can't change. Like, I could change rate cache battery if I want to. Mm-hmm. The issue is not that we can, it's that we don't want to. We have a CEO well, right. who comes out who's right. number one, he's licensed, he's insured, he's right. covered. If he brings down half the data center because he bumped the rack. You have those losses compensated. We you don't have, have to absorb them. Right. And it's or at not least on in part, my company yeah. either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you, you have someone to right. shift the blame to. Right. That sounds exactly. fucking lame. Well, I mean, that's. I live the, on the edge. Jason. That's the fact of the matter for Jathan. Can we Jay-thon just kick for... him? No, Sometimes no. I bump the racks for fun. No, don't do that, Jathan. Do not... Don't bump the racks. Please, no bumping bump, of racks. Bump they all bump the racks. Me. They bump into me. And really, like, you guys have seen, like, how even sensitive, like, platter discs are to noise levels in the day center. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. I'll link to the YouTube video in the show notes. I might have done it already for with a past episode. It's fascinating to watch. Have. But, like, 
hardware is a lot more sensitive than you think. So this is a very complex topic and it's very hard to think of all the things that could go wrong and try to account for them. I'd say it's impossible to do it, but whatever. Now, Jathan. Yes, Papa. You wanted to argue. Yeah, I don't remember. You don't remember? No, I already covered my point. Oh, you did? Okay, okay. So I think we're all... I just wanted to argue, one, that it it doesn't have to be expensive. Like, you can stand up some HA KVM or VMware deployments that are not that expensive. Well, right, but then, I mean, keep in mind, like, you still run into the problem of thinking, like, how durable does this need to be? Oh, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Exactly. But also just... I don't remember what the other point was. I want to say, like, with each extra nine you add, like, three nines, four nines, five nines, whatever, I want to say with each nine you add, you increase the cost by, like, an exponential number. I think, I mean, HA is great and all. Having the ability for shit to fail and a failover and it be supported is fantastic. What's really behind all this, though, is, you know, how much money can you put down Mm -hmm. on all this, you know? Okay, so for like, an example, you can I think you can easily do ninety nine point nine percent uptime per month on a month metric at maybe a hundred bucks a month if you're doing it all virtual with external providers. Yeah, hundred sure. bucks a month. All right. Sure. If you want to add another nine to that, so it's four nines, you're now talking thousands of dollars a month. And if you want to get it just five goes nines, up. if you want to get five nines, you're talking about tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars a month. So, yeah, it's a ridiculous... And that's still all within the virtual space. That's still using external providers. That's still using only externally provided virtual stuff. That's not even counting the possible cost of doing it in-house. So, yeah, it's really ridiculous stuff. And it drives me nuts that people really don't understand just how expensive it gets to make it just a little bit more reliable. So, yeah. Okay. Do either of you have anything to add about what HA is and is not? Or when you need it and when you don't. No. I think that if you... So, to clarify a little bit more, Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this podcast and you say, do I need HA? You probably don't don't need HA. You probably don't. It's a bit like a mainframe. You don't really question whether you need it or not. You already kind of know know. you need it or not. You will have paid a consultant thousands of dollars to already tell you that you need it. Now, I will tell you that we have a data center in one place, a data center a little bit further away, Yep. And then we have servers that are uh, like tertiary servers. So mm-hmm. if both data centers go tits up. We have this second set or this well, third set of servers that we can bring on that will be, become us a bare minimum. Core you know, services, still, right. Yeah. still run certain things that we need to have running. Right. Electric bids, uh, electric generation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, the server so, equivalent of a skeleton I, I, crew. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, and again, this costs money, you know. A lot of money. So. You have to look at not only HA, but also disaster recovery. Do you need to have disaster recovery for both HA sites? Mm. You know, mm-hmm. and that's going to add the cost too. So again, to reiterate, if you don't know if you need HA or not, you probably don't need it. Yeah. I think you, that's a, you will a have been told by a consultant saying, <laughs> right. you need this. Right. You need to have all of this or right. you're fucking done, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you would be able to afford it for sure. Yep. Yeah. So yep. absolutely. Yes. Do you guys want to talk about some specific implementations of how this is done on the software level well, and protocol all right. level? Yeah, sure. Bring it on. Okay, so I'm gonna start with HA proxy, which is great for Do as Jathan mentioned, doing it on the cheap. You know, if you, if you're just trying to get a, a modicum on the cheap. Well, if you're trying to get a modicum of, of availability higher, HA proxy mm-hmm. is great for that because it will let you balance by traffic, for instance. And it does so in a, a fairly efficient way you know it does some especially with Mm -hmm. http traffic you know it 
takes advantage of certain HTTP headers and things like that that can help alleviate some of the load on the balancer itself. So it's a right. great software project. It's really powerful. Configuration is a little messy, but once you spend a couple hours on it, it, it kind of clicks. And GenX itself has some balancing options as well. You can have a pool of backend servers for a reverse proxy. Upstreams. Upstreams, exactly. Yeah. In recent versions, you can have pools of these. And it will actually test if they are available. And if they aren't, it will remove them from the pool. Now, things like this do require the commercial version of Nginx. Not the heart beating. The heart beating. Oh, I, I can't remember. I, I don't think I ever got a quote. It's so ridiculous. Like, you could probably implement something similar by hand for much cheaper. I'll put it that way. But okay, while using the open source Nginx, yeah. Sure. So it's a little bit more clumsy to do with the open source slash community version, but it is possible. It's going to be a lot easier with that commercial version, though. Yeah. There are some commercial-only products. Like, for years, the people who dominated the high-availability space were F5. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. They cut their teeth on it. They kind of made it a common phrase. If you wanted high availability, you went with F5. For years, that was the case. They actually recently bought Nginx. They are committed to, you know, keeping the open source component open source and keeping it updated, which I was worried about that. But, you know, they promised that and, and they're not Oracle. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, if F5 are the people you were going to want to pursue if you need that support license, like what Payton was talking about. If you need someone to back up that service availability, F5 are going to be the people to go. Again, very expensive, but that's because you're paying a premium price for a premium feature. Right. So, it is It is absolutely premium. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not like the housing market or academia where the prices are like artificially inflated. This literally costs a lot of money bottom line, you know, and it's not marked up. It's how it is. So F5 are probably going to be the people to do that if your company is big enough. But if your company's that big, you probably and you're listening to us, you probably don't have the decision making to even make that decision. So, you know, keep in mind. But to close this out, I wanted to rush through those so we could get Jathan to talk about something really cool. Jathan, do you want to talk to us about IPVS and LVS, which are basically the same thing? Sure. Great. Dude. I'm not going to talk. Okay, so what IPVS does, essentially IPVS is used for either dynamic routing, sort of, or load balancing, but it works at a different layer than mm -hmm. something like HAProxy. OSI level, yeah. OSI level, right. Mm-hmm. So the way a basic implementation, though, would look like basically this, right? You have a load balancer that sits in front of maybe a group of five machines in our example. Mm -hmm. You send a packet, and so each of your servers, including the load balancer, have a virtual IP that they all share. Mm -hmm. So you send a packet, and it goes to your virtual or your load balancer, and you get a packet back, but it looks as if the packet came from one of the servers you actually want to talk to behind the load balancer. Mm -hmm. And all further traffic can be configured to go directly from you to the backend server without going through the load balancer. Mm -hmm. So the load balancing server, if you want to call it that, it can also be configured to go through it. But that's obviously not a whole lot different than just using HA proxy. Exactly, exactly. But so the benefit there is that your load balancer can actually be a very lightweight in terms of like the specifications of the hardware. Mm -hmm. Because all it's doing is fielding packets and returning basically false packets to direct traffic to one of the servers behind it. Yeah. It's basically... You can also do, you know, you can say all incoming traffic goes through the load balancer, but all outgoing traffic directly returns. There's plenty of ways mm -hmm. that you could do it. 
I will say, uh, so I've used this in a storage application before where basically uh, earlier, like I was talking about clustered storage and there was no load balancing built into this one particular appliance I was working with. So I was able to implement IPVS for my load balancing purposes. And I was actually, you know, it keeps statistics. Uh, so in my case, I did it based on waste least weighted connections. Mm-hmm. So basically, whichever storage node had the least active and persistent, you know, established connections would get the next incoming request. It's a good way to do it. Yep. Well, it can be. It's not always right. right I could have depending one person, on application. Right. I could have one person who is the only one going to a, a specific node, but they're reading and writing Hammer a it. fuck ton of yeah. data. Right. And mm-hmm. because that's only one connection, but every other node has five very light users, the next connection's going there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was just in our environment and for our particular use case how we decided to do it. But it's a really cool technology. What I will say about it is, I mean, first of all, if you haven't set it up, in my experience, you can find guides online of people using it for HTTP traffic as a really common example. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's valuable, but I don't think it's as valuable. Like, yes, go through one of the guides and set up NGINX on two hosts or whatever, or mm-hmm. two containers, and use IPVS to proxy between them. That's fine. But that is such a simple service in terms of how IPVS works that I would actually highly encourage you to do something like NFS. Set up two small VMs with NFS mm-hmm. exports and put them behind IPVS, and you're going to learn so much more about it. And what I will say, and Brent can attest to my fucking Mm -hmm. (laughs) two-week-long hair-pulling, struggling, self-mutilation sessions, uh, (laughs) the documentation is fucking terrible. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't help that the particular storage application you were implementing on had its own... own I was doing... Yes, I yeah. was doing something very atypical. Right. But I did eventually get it working. So mm-hmm. what I will say is every guide you find online is going to use fucking port 80, Apache or Nginx, serving, you know, a one-page website or whatever behind IPVS. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm just saying, yes, Nixcraft copied and pasted just like everybody <laughs> else on the internet. So do that and get a feel for it in the configuration, but then really take the time and challenge to yourself. set up a more complex service that yeah. is not just a single port and... Not necessarily a single protocol working together, right? Like when we talk about NFS, especially with authentication or anything, it's mm-hmm. not just NFS, but it's also RPC bind mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know other archaic ass services that nobody uses anymore. <laughs> Although that's NFS four, NFS four does clean up a lot of that. Yes, it's better. But yeah. I was not working with NFS four. It, it, it wasn't an option. Yeah. For you. Yeah. So in any case, what's awesome about IPVS is I was able to really, really, once I got it working and working well, I was able to really, really stress it out or stress test it rather. And I was not able to impact the performance on my load balancing server by number of requests because all it's doing is literally returning in a lot of cases like a single packet or a few packets. Mm -hmm. And then all the traffic just goes around sort of your proxying or like your load balancing server and you're communicating directly with the nodes behind it. So it's a really, really awesome fucking way to do things. And honestly, like if I were even going to consider at this point doing like a Something I've traditionally done with HA proxy is SSH for login nodes on my compute cluster. I was just about to suggest SSH, yep. I, in the future, if I were doing it again, I would absolutely do it with IPVS because it's just, it's so much It makes more sense, honestly. Yeah, yeah. it's it's more lightweight, yeah. Yeah. It also, for what it's worth, it has really good logging, not really logging, but it keeps very good metrics. Yeah, 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 metrics. Metrics is what I would say. So it keeps track of how much traffic has passed between certain nodes in your cluster and stuff like that. In most cases, that is almost nothing because, again, you're only returning one packet and then Mm -hmm. the traffic doesn't go through your load balancer anymore. 
but it also keeps track of how many active connections there are and everything else and like when the last connection was it's mm-hmm. very helpful it's also awesome to see you know you can print out just like how many connections are across the board right now for all of my servers it's really really easy to say you know i want to know if my load balancing is actually working so you establish a bunch of like dummy connections mm-hmm. And it's very easy to see, like, oh, shit, this is actually working, and that's awesome. Right. I will say you probably want to do this in a confined yes. data center environment. It's not going to yeah. be that useful for, like, hitting one server and having it return multi- point to different servers all around the country or whatever. That's right. not well, really... you have to have, basically, an internal network. Right. Oh, that's right. right. It's in it's a... basically a good guy ARPS, ARPS, uh, ARP spoofing, right? Yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah, and, and that is with one a lot thing, more too, features. is yeah. ARP caching can definitely fuck with your IPVS mm-hmm. deployment. Sure. So be aware of that. No, I mean, it could work for, like, a VPS or cloud setting if all of your servers were within the same VPC. Mm-hmm. Or the same. Which is what Amazon calls it, or, or like an Land. internal network that yeah. Lin- Linode has. You could also simulate a network like that using a VPN. I'm not sure of the performance impact. Yeah, that might be because a little not, squirrely. Well, it's not a lot of traffic going over the internal network. But it's still, it's highly dependent it's still, on whichever answers first in some cases. And that's yes. yeah. a lot more unpredictable with a VPN. Yeah. Correct. Totally so. true. But you could do it. At some point, I really do want to do like a write-up or a guide for IPVS because... Mm-hmm. I really struggle to find good examples and good yeah. documentation. Yeah. And if I'm looking for it, like I'm fucking Joe Schmo off the, the street. So like somebody <laughs> else Joe is probably Schmo. looking for it as well. I think I'm going to do the same thing. Like I'm going to set up a really simple example with something that's like a single protocol, single port. But then you should... I'm going to use it as a baseline and then set up. I'm going to use NFS as my example because I already. Yeah, I wouldn't jump straight. to, And I would first start with what everybody does with HTTP and then do it with SSH. Because then well, you introduce gotchas, like the host keys need to be the same. And then from there, then go to NFS. You know, it was like a three-parter kind of a thing. Because yeah. it'll demonstrate multiple levels of complexity for protocols. But that's, I mean, that whatever, it's, it's your hard Anyway, yeah, on. that was kind of like, not so much about IPVS, but my experience with it. Do mm-hmm. you have any other questions or? No, I mean, we'll link to the very bare documentation that does exist, but. It's just shitty. It's it looks terrible. Like it was written in fucking 1970. Yeah. I mean, it, it and might it's be, not like an is, old project. I actually, it, well, it's, it's been old. around for what since the late nineties, right? Yeah, I want to sounds right. So it's it's twenty nineteen. So it but is like nobody old, knows about it's it. Not, it's still updated, and nobody knows about it, right? And it's so powerful, so powerful. I did have one question. I was seeing some confusing usage. Is it IPVS now or LVS? I can't tell which one it is. I think that it is. Or are they two separate components, do you think? I think that Linux Virtual Server describes maybe, which is LVS, maybe the, like, a specific implementation of IPVS. Okay. But I don't actually know. It is a good question. Because I know... Because I, I think the, the website even is, like, Linux... Yeah, Linux and in the kernel source. Or something. In the kernel source, I remember it changing from using the phrase IP Virtual Server to Linux Virtual Server. Yeah. I'm not sure. That is a note, though. It's also, it's native to the Linux kernel. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's really fucking, it's very low level and really it's fast. Fucking, yeah. 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 Really cool. Yeah. I wish I had in my environment the ability to play with it more because it's, it's not applicable to what we do, but. Well, you got a home seems, lab. I, I do a home lab. That's true. It just seems so fun to play with. You know, it feels like it, that you do so much with it. Cool. Cool. Well, does anyone have anything else to add about high availability in general? Watch how much you spend. Yeah. Yeah, it's easy Sometimes to get carried you gotta away. Spend, 
sometimes you got to spend it though to make sure you got it. I mean, you and know. I don't know if it's no not not so much watch how much you spend, but evaluate how much you should spend yes. based on your actual needs. Yeah, yes. not like yeah. what would make my life easier because right. people won't notice, but like. What is fucking realistic from, like, a business standpoint right. for what you're doing? The scale of my company, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Including things like staff size, yeah. Yep. Because, the again, the more complexity you add, the more staff you need. So, yep. yeah, absolutely. I think that should really be the number one takeaway from this whole thing, right? Yep. Just how expensive it is and how easy it is to get caught up and I want it to be perfect, but you really can't afford it. So, and it's also impossible. It's an unattainable goal. So, yeah definitely something to keep in mind all right jathan if you have 30 clams and you decided you wanted to equally share your clams with someone else how many clams do you have who am i sharing with <laughs> well it doesn't matter because you it's someone yes, it with does your, with no 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 jathan share the clams it's someone, with your lady friend it's someone like oh, the clams clam. give her gas so i'm gonna take 16 and she can have 14 <laughs> you no, it's someone i said it's someone you, you know it's someone you want to share clams with and i said equally share yeah but that doesn't mean that you don't lie a little and say, like, yeah, I want to equally share these, and then you still sneak one. Okay, well, you take your sixteen clams and you give me one. How many clams do you have? I would say that he... Did I have... actually give you one, or did I give you an empty shell? Twelve? <laughs> well, Does he have what? 12? you can tell, I really just want to hang on to my own clams, man. I know. What, um... What defines a clam? Yeah, define a clam. Is it the it's organism the inside? Or is it it's the... the soul. Uh-huh. The soul is the clam? Is the yeah. clam greater than the sum of its parts? I don't know. Is that that's a really good question? I that's yes. Yeah? <laughs> okay. Right. Yes, it is. Uh huh. Do do clams have souls? Oh yeah. Do they? Do I absolutely believe that clams are not only conscious, but they're also highly religious, and I think that they go to heaven. <laughs> the clams are highly religious. Yes, there is probably some kind of clammy cult, but they're very <laughs> religious. In so nature. instead of clergy, do they have clamgy? No. Sorry, that was terrible. That was terrible. All right, Jathan, just just give us your fifteen clams. All right, so do it. I started do writing a program it. last night. Do uh-huh. it. He's he's doing this it. Is, I started writing a program last night mm-hmm. because I wanted to prove somebody wrong. In Python, was it, was it me? No. Oh, okay. Yes, in Python. Now I in absolutely. Python. Believe in writing programs to prove people wrong because no 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 this <laughs> no, 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 is no no I, I, I agree with you I agree with you I agree with you shut up a, dad a funny phrase to hear though okay this is why I don't want to give you any clams I'm right now just, if you don't just, finish come this, on all right you're gonna be in trouble I'm now sorry. now I I absolutely room. believe in like if you tell somebody like oh I could have done that in so many fewer lines I could do it better fucking put up or shut up you do it and you show them and you fucking Teach them how to improve. Well, that's literally what a proof of concept is. Okay. Right. Maybe, sort of. I'd say In any case, the whole point, my program, actually, I cannot talk about specifics on the air right now, Mm -hmm. but it was to avoid many hours of manual labor. No joke. Was this the thing I helped you with? Yes. I'll tell you when we're done recording what the actual use case is. (laughs) Okay. Because you're going to fucking... I wrote a snippet of it, and I have no idea what it's for. Do you remember when I sent you in, like, all capital letters, I was like, I can't wait to tell you a story? Yes. All right. Okay. All right. So in any case, so I had to prove a point to somebody. Uh-huh. So I had to write this program. Yep. Okay. Uh, yes. Brent helped me do some text munging that I had not previously. Because I'm good at to... that. Yeah. Yes. He it's, does a lot more of it these days than I do. It's true. But in any case, I was working with my program today. I was really close to like being done. Mm-hmm. But there was one step that was missing and it was not that regular expression, which I did <laughs> figure out what happened. Okay. Yeah. I saw it that. Was not I that. thought you figured it out. 
So I was really, really close to to being done with it. And I was just at this step where I could not figure out how the fuck this list in Python, Python 3, this fucking list kept just getting fucking exploded. Like, it was supposed to be like eight items long in any case. Mm -hmm. But it ended up being like a hundred. <laughs> and every time that I did it, uh -huh. I even wrote a check like... It would when grow I was, every time? When I, well, when I was going through my process of adding items to this list, I was doing like a list.append. I added a fucking explicit check before every single line in my fucking file that was like, if length of list is greater than or equal to eight, basically bail. Mm -hmm. And it literally would just execute immediately. <laughs> and I was like, well, you can't just take an empty list and make it not empty all of a sudden. Yeah. There's no fucking logics here. And I'm like, I've been doing Python for a while. <laughs> so longer than I have. Yeah. I will absolutely link to an article to go along with the fifteen clams. Oh, I think Actually, I know what I already, this is. Yeah, but apparently, when you make a function mm -hmm. in Python, yep. and you provide default values for arguments to the function, the first time the function is called, basically, mm -hmm. it is somehow like stored either in Python bytecode or memory or something. I think it's a memory object. Yeah, but whatever the fuck the value of your variable was the first time you call it becomes the default. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though you're defining an explicit default in the fucking function definition. So if you say like def my function paren list equals left square bracket, right square bracket, like an empty list. That's mm -hmm. what I was doing today, literally. If you basically the first time you call it or I don't know exactly how this works, to be totally honest. I still ha I have more experimentation. To it's, do. it's a little screwy. Yeah. It's absolutely screwy because of all the interpreted languages, from what I could tell from brief research today, Python is the only one that does this. Well, it's because of the loose typing. Yeah. Well, it's not just that. Not it's just also that. because it's, it's, it's speed. Right. Right. Because every other language, every time you initiate a function, is basically reinitializing the function, if you will. Right. Yeah. It doesn't cache the functionality of the like function. the function definition or yeah, like yeah, the yeah, function yeah, exactly. what, do, what do you call that the definition i think we call it the definition. no no like all right yeah whatever all right so anyway like the function signature like right. we talk about yeah. function overloading right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in any case though this is a fucking 15 clams motherfucking psa it's taking you long enough to get to the fucking thing <laughs> well apparently you needed some background info that's fine apparently no, no, it's fine if you are going to be setting... Now, this is what I read on a... We're going to link to it. Okay. But apparently what should happen is when you define a function in Python, all of your default arguments should always be none. And then in the function, I don't agree with this, but this is what I read. Yeah. But in the function itself, you should then, first thing, check if your variables are actually none. Mm -hmm. And if they are, then you set them to whatever you want them to be. Now, that doesn't make any fucking sense so, if you're trying to pass something into a function right, necessarily. Right, right. Because then what's the point of default values? So here's the thing. Yes and no. You can do it like that, and it is much safer. But this, it's not really a bug, but this quirk only applies to lists. And maybe dicks. I haven't tested it with dicks. But it's definitely with lists. Yeah, well, it was a list. It's the first time. I've been writing Python mm -hmm. for how long. It's the first time today I ever got fucked by this. Right. And I will tell you... Not only did I get fucked by it, but it took me a lot of fucking debugging to figure it out. It was not, <laughs> I like, I had that. so many fucking print statements yeah. trying to figure out, just like, where is this list getting fucking large? Why is my list impregnated right now? Like, because what the it was, fuck is happening? It was because every time you call that function, Why it was, is my it, was list? it was just happening. Yep. It was being initialized Jesus. with so many values in it. Yeah. So Even though in my function definition... And it was a fucking, it was an init function for a fucking class even. Yeah. So, so honestly, I could have just instance. said self dot, 
self.list, or I'm sure you can't use list because it's protected, but like self.mylist You can equals, do self.list. Yeah. You just can't use list. Okay, well, self.mylist equals, you know, blank list. And I could have just done it there, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to be able to pass it in. And the funny thing is, I wasn't actually initializing it with a fucking list when I created the objects. I was using a function called add to list, basically, mm-hmm. and adding everything after the fact. So I, it was just absolutely fucking bonkers, yeah. bananas, batshit insane. I was mad. He <laughs> was so mad. I ended up, I mean, I honestly, I ended up getting my web developer who does a lot of Python programming. Uh-huh. And I was like, hey, man, do you have some time to look at this? And, you know, first I had to get him up to speed with what I was actually doing and what my goal was and everything else. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it was like 200 lines of Python. He sat there for, honestly, like an hour adding print statements, same thing. Mm-hmm. And he finally was like, I don't know, man. It just seems like somehow this list is getting fucked up. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. So I finally was like, you know what? Let's not pass any values in Let's see what basically happens. as a default argument. It was like a completely a fucking gamble and it just started working. Mm-hmm. So, like, here, the, the whole time I ended up changing my logic and my checks. And, like, <laughs> oh, no. I was just like, what am I missing? I mean... It's like a lot of nested loops. I can show you guys the real function. I right. can't publish that right, right. now. It's but, understandable. Oh my god, I was fucking pissed. I so, was so mad. Did you find the best practices way of dealing with what you want to be an empty list by default? No, I didn't even do that. So, I just fucking I just honestly in my default arguments, I didn't even say that you could pass a list in as part of initialization. In my init function, I just set an empty list. Okay. So typically how you would do that is you set it as none as the default. And then you check if it is none. And if it is, you make it a blank list in the actual initialization inside the function. Right. But you also want to check to make sure that it was passed a list because that's what you're expecting. I'm guessing based on it being a default blank list, right? Yes, right. So then you would do an if isn't, if not is instance list. Yeah, right. And then raise an exception if not. Yeah, exactly. So that's, yeah. that is the best practice. And the article that, way. that I linked to earlier literally says all those things. Yeah, okay, yeah. Good. But I just honestly had never fucking come across this, and how, who would really assume that? It does, yeah, it's definitely a gotcha. Absolutely, it's it's the definition of a gotcha because it's it's not what you would expect because everything else works, right? Yeah, like default values work, it, it, like it, strings or booleans work fine, but when you make it a default value of a list or and I, again, I, I'd have to check, but I think also a dictionary. Yeah, it, everything goes haywire. So. Well, you today. That's my fifteen clams. Today I learned. I did. I learned today. My web developer also didn't know that, so he learned today. Mm -hmm. I am much happier now that my shit works, and (laughs) I celebrated with some alcohol. There you, (laughs) there you go. I celebrate every day that way, just to be fair. And it's always it's always so frustrating when it happens. It's like the stupidest, smallest thing. Especially you get to the point when you're writing a program like this, like. All the big pieces are done, but you yep. have these little bits of, like, cleaning up everything. Yep. And then you hit something like this, and all you want to do is, like, I just need my final fucking output, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, it's like, I just spent, like, you know, five hours figuring out how to gather this data into how I want it. And this is what I get stuck on? You know, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, word of the wise, don't do a JSON, and remember that you should and cannot set blank lists as default values for parameters and... For functions and, and any Python. functions, yes, it is not explicitly not just class initializing functions. classes. Yep. Yeah, I think that also applies to even static methods inside. Yeah, classes. yeah, no, yeah. it does. It yeah, does. All of them. It totally does. All of them. Any kind of function, don't do it. Cool. So this has been System and Disturbia. I'm Brent. I'm Jonathan. And I'm And Jathan's pissed off. See you around. Thank you.
<laughs> All right, cat, you gotta go. Get out. Go. Get gone. Damn it, Julius. Why can't you just listen? Go away. You're not loved here. Get out. Shoot. Scram. That's right. Here we go. All right, I can't hear you yet, but I'm back. You can probably hear me. It feels weird to take your pants off without taking your socks off, so I took those off too. All right, here we go. I think everybody's on the same page now.